Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of No Limits with Gary and Mac here on StayHorned.com. I am podcast staffer Mac over the third, and I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host Gary Singh. Gary, how you doing this week? What's up? What's happening? What's good with my man Mac Irvin the third? Uh, you know, watching the Kings play, so life could be better. Don't sound too good, my man. Uh, yeah. So for this week's show, <laughs> we're gonna do another edition of the Royal Check In, and then we're gonna do a rant of the week segment where Gary and I will rant about a topic of our choice. And then we're going to round it off by talking about the upcoming Jake Paul, Ben Askren fight. Let's dive right into it. Let's get the depressing stuff out of the way first. Let's talk about the Sacramento Kings again. This this team has robbed me of any hope and joy that I used to have from watching them play. Man, you remember that one week we came back from spring break and they had won like five or six in a row? Yes, sir. Well, they have now lost their ninth game in a row after losing to the Phoenix Suns on Thursday night. They lost 122 to 114 and there just hasn't been a feeling of of hope, a feeling of progress for me around this team for a while. Now, I know you were talking about trying to make a run for that play-in spot or trying to make the playoffs, but uh I think we can consider those dreams solidly dead now. So <laughs> What's, what's your outlook on this Kings team right now for the rest of the season? Mac Irvin the third, you were right. I had to say that. I haven't said that thing. I think I don't think I ever said that on the podcast, to be honest with you. But it is capitalized O-V-E-R over. I have lost all hope. And that's really bad news because usually I'm the last person to lose hope in the Kings fighting to the very end. Even if we were two, three games back, I still think we would have a chance. But no, after losing to the worst teams in the association, the Wolves and the Pistons, it just doesn't look like we have nothing going right for us at all. Literally, they have the probably the hardest schedule left in the association right now. And it just doesn't look right, Mac. The funniest thing I heard today was literally the TNT crew with Shaq, Ernie Charles, and Kenny. Literally, they had a stat today they dropped on me, and it literally was hilarious. We're the first team ever to win about five, six games in a row and then lose the next eight of nine. Probably, they said, ever in the NBA. Like, if that's the type of statistical categories we're in, it is a bad sign for us Kings fans. And man, oh man, it just hasn't got pretty Literally, after the trade deadline, like we've been talking about, has been going downhill. I just don't know what to say, man. Literally, I was talking to our good friend Jordan, who we had last on, we had on last week, Jordan Lattimore, and literally, he was like, "Oh, as a Kings fan, I don't know how are you even ch- close to being happy?" I don't, he's like, "I don't know how you're still a Kings fan." It was like it's just in me, and he's like, "What do you?" The same same old question we get around this whole time. What can we do, Mac? It's the same old answer. Defense. Again, I mentioned, you know, I talked about this main time. Culture change. Do we have an identity? These three simple questions got to be answered for us Kings fans to have any hope for the future. And you already know the horrible starts to every game. You know, I want to blame coaches, but that's not my using my go-to. You know, Fox is probably the number one to blame because he is the engine. He is the leader, and he hasn't been the guy to do it so far in this, in this stint. So he's going to have to step up. But man, oh, man. They're going to have to do something here, man. I just think i got to define roles or something. But this season is over. And like Mac told me earlier, who are we going to pick up in the draft? Let's switch it around, Mac. 
Well, you see, that's the thing. The Kings won too much early on in the season, and by in doing so, they've kind of doomed their own semi-tank job that they had carefully scoped it over the summer. So right now, they're sitting at a 22 and 34 record. That leaves that makes them the eighth worst team in the NBA. They are currently four games out of the top four of the draft, which is currently held by the Orlando Magic. And I feel like in order to get one of those game-changing players, well, maybe not for the Kings, but for all other franchises, in order to get that top player, you want a top five or six pick in this draft. You know, I think that's where everybody's kind of been saying, you know, the quality changes once you get outside of that top five or six. You know, we're talking about from potential all-stars to maybe just rotation guys once you get outside of that. So I hate to use the word tank, but I mean, it just, that just feels like what we need to do. And it feel, kind of feels like that's what they're doing. Maybe not intentionally. It feel like the team is just too bad to win. And I really don't understand some of the moves that Luke Walton's making. Dropping Tyrese Halliburton out of the starting lineup from Mo Harkless was almost a fireable offense in my opinion <laughs> i'd put a fair amount of money down that luke walton the kings have 16 games left this season i have a feeling after the next 16 games luke walton will no longer be the head coach of the sacramento kings so i think that's where we need to focus our next most attention on is if luke walton's not going to be the head coach who are we going to get now we kind of missed the boat last time when we screwed up the interview process and by interview process i mean vladi just picked luke because he liked him you know, it, you look at what Monty Williams has done in Phoenix and you think, hey, maybe we should have got that guy. But you have to decide what this roster is going to be. Is what part of this roster is good enough to keep? Obviously, Fox and Halliburton are going to be the two guys that we know are staying. But who else is a must keep from this roster if a coaching change does happen? And looking at the draft, is is anybody outside of Fox and Halliburton going to change your mind on who you pick? I mean, like I told you, I would love to keep Holmes, but I think he's going to get a big payday and bounce right out of here. We ha- we're going to have to keep Buddy and, Hall- uh, and Harrison because we're going to have to trade him on the- over the offseason, if anything, if we do want to make those type of moves. I've just been hesitant about that part just because, like I mentioned before to you, I did. I switched from trading both, trading one of them, to now keeping both just because I feel like we're going to need those type of players again if we're in any type of playoff run. We're going to have to do what we have to do. Realistically, Buddy's going to have to go to the bench, but we all know that he doesn't want to go to the bench because he already complained about that before. And that's just a simple fact of it because Halliburton needs to be the number two guard. And, you know, if he's three, we're going too small there, to be honest with you. But realistically, Mac, I kind of wish now. There's eight games left in this month. I hope they lose about. I hope they go on a 15-game losing streak. Whatever. Now, at this point, we're already five games back from the 10th seed. I just looked at it because that's why I said five to you. And you were talking about four games back as the worst seed to get the playoffs. I would know to get the a good uh, draft pick. I was talking about five games left to get into the playoffs in the 10th seed, which is not in the playoffs. That's just the play-in. And, man, we're five games back, Mac. And it's really... It went from Warriors basically handing us to us trying to give us the 10th seed to literally dropping all the way back. And now it just feels like, man, like... I usually don't like the tank where I don't like that type of stuff. But at this point, I wouldn't be too... I like them trying, but I wouldn't be too sad if they uh, go on a 15-game losing streak. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like there's anything to gain from making a coaching change right now? That's a hard decision, Max. You know, I talked to you about this before where I don't want Fox feeling like, okay, I've been in the league already for about seven years on this Kings team, and we're about to have 
three, four coaching changes by the end of his tenure here, which is not going to look good for us when he's deciding if he wants to stay here again. So that's the only problem I have there. But at this point, man, I still think we're still playing our old coaches on the bill right now. So, like, I don't know. Realistically, it's probably going to be coaching change because Monte McNair, our GM, he came in last and he didn't get to pick Luke. And as you know, any sports you play, if you're the GM, you always love to pick your coach. And if you're not picked by the coach, it's most likely as a coach you know it's going to be a downturn for you. Luke's already getting college offers to go to Arizona and things of that nature anyway. So even though he denied that, probably wants to keep his NBA job. I bet you won't hurt him at all if he goes to go play the coaching level and getting still paid by the Kings. So I'm on Mark Jackson. Simple as that. I want Mark Jackson. I know. Mark Jackson? I've been wanting Mark Jackson, man. He deserves a coaching job. I know there's other things in play for against him. And I know people like you probably hate on his play-by-play analysis and his color commentary for some reason. Everyone got problems with players doing play-by-play. Everyone hates on our guy. Well, not our guy. My guy, Chris Webber. I'm just more concerned about Mark Jackson's off-the-court baggage that might follow him to the Sacramento Kings. You remember he called Harrison Barnes. He said he was possessed by the demon. I don't know about all that, Mac. All I know is he flipped that Warrior team around. And Steve Kerr ain't looking too bright now when he got to go do another flippage right there right now with the Warriors. So I just need someone right here to change our culture. Simple as that. <sighs> well, I think we're setting into that dangerous section for sports fans. Apathy. And that's the Royal check-in for this week. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to hopefully more positive ground here. Let's move into our rant of the week segment. This is where Gary and I get four minutes to talk about anything we want in the sports world. Gary, why don't you hit us with it first? All right, so my rant of the week is really something that's been everyone's rant probably for the last uh, five years. And realistically, I haven't really been on this side of the rant for just because I kind of understood always and I believe the players. But the NBA has a resting problem. NBA has a sit down for no reason problem and literally I think I what I don't like about this as a fan as an analyst as whatever you want to call me I am talking about the game commentator whatever is that what I see is just not right when I say that is there's players who really legit, don't matter what their excuse is, they sit because of rest and there's no injury to them, there's no family issue, there's no religious issue, there's no issue with this player, and literally they're getting vacation days more than, literally I had a, my uncles texted me a chat, uh, a message this week with the article about resting players and talking about they take more days off and I work for the state and I probably have more hours than recruit and they got more days off than me. And I think that runs, rubs people a wrong way. And usually, I usually been on the player's side, Mac. I usually empathize like, okay, if you're out, Kawhi, you're injured, leg hurts, okay. If this person, you're out, you're injured, okay. But at this point, it just feels like the literally, especially I've been even paying attention even more. I've been playing fantasy, as you know, Mac, versus a lot of good people, as we know, like Sean Hoko and other people, Jordan Latmore also. And literally, I almost lost last week just because Trey Young sat on Sunday for no reason. No reason at all. He's almost as old as me. 23, 24 years old. It's like two or three years in the league and you're already sitting out and you know that's just I feel like an OG talking about it because old school players always talk about how they don't like this and type of things. Now I'm starting to understand what they said. 
players like Kobe, players like Michael, players like LeBron, play, you can bring any player back in the day. They played every night for two reasons, to give the fans what they want, to show up every night and show up for their teams and the fans. And that's why I'm not feeling like I'm not getting a full package as a NBA fan. Luckily, I'm just a hardcore NBA fan, so I can watch it with or without the players. But as you can see by the ratings, and they can point to whatever they want to point to, oh, a lot of people don't watch the NBA through TV normally. They watch it through streams. They watch it through YouTube. They watch it through highlights. Whatever you want to say, this, the revenue for the NBA in terms of people watching the games is not as high as it used to be. And this is why the NFL, sadly, because I like the NBA, sadly more the NFL, NFL will always be better because overall players play. It's a more grit, grind league. And that's what sports, especially basketball, should be about. And, you know, I have no problem if you're injured, if you're sitting out for no reason. You have legitimate reasons, no problem. It's understandable. You're an athlete, especially this season, a condensed season. And we have seen a lot of players get hurt. We just seen Jamal Murray basically towards ACL for no reason. So I understand sometimes rest is a, is a, is a thing. But when I see these players sitting out for no reason at all, when back in the day players got paid less and they played more than these players, it just doesn't make sense to me. And as a viewer just watching from a fan perspective, I understand why people would have a problem. It's just ridiculous. And don't worry. I know for a fact Adam Silver and these owners are going to have that in the next bargain agreement talking about this very, very, very impactfully on how the next negotiation between the player union and the owners is going to go. So... Man, I did not want to say that, Matt, because I've been on the player side the whole time on that thing. And, like, it's all good. It's all good. They need it. They need it. They need it. But at some point, it's like some of these guys, I'm not saying everybody, but some of these guys, they're too young and just have no excuse to sit down for no reason. This is a job, man. You can't have 100 days off a year. We only play 82 games. This year, 72. You take 20, 30 off, you're getting paid millions for 30 check. I'm not trying to count guys' wallets, but you're paying 30 games and you're getting millions. It's not making sense to me, Mac. Yeah, Gary, I know that's a topic that's been hurting you for a while. <laughs> I know you didn't want to speak out on it because you've been so pro player in the past. It was funny. I saw one tweet that said Kyrie takes more days off than any government employee that's <laughs> in the country. And sometimes it feels like it, man. It feels like I didn't it. mention names on purpose because I don't know the predicaments specifically, but I'll just leave it at that. All right. Well, let me get into my rant of the week and let's go to the world of soccer. So, as you may or may not know, I am a huge Manchester United fan. Shout out to the boys who just captured the win on Thursday against Granada, 2-0 in the Europa League. They're now moving on to the semis. But um, a lot of people have been questioning whether United have made the right choice in giving their manager a contract extension. Now, obviously, Manchester United's manager is former player Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And a lot of people questioned the appointment when it happened because... Solskjaer did not have the managerial experience of, say, your top soccer managers like Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp or Jose Mourinho. But the problem for Manchester United is they're not the team that they once were. A lot of people see Manchester United fans as glory hunters, just fans who want to win trophies and don't really care about heritage or anything to do other than celebrating winning trophies. And... I can tell you there are not many glory hunters left at Manchester United because we haven't won a trophy for four years <laughs> since the 2017 Europa League. Manchester United has gone trophyless. And this looks like our best chance to win a trophy and looks like the best chance for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to get his first major trophy if we can win the Europa League this season. Uh, in the Premier League, we are currently in second place, but 
There are seven games left in the year. We are currently 11 points behind league leaders Manchester City, which basically means the title race is over unless Manchester City lose every game. So, Solskjaer's had two and a half years at the helm of Manchester United, and I would say he's outperformed my expectations. He was not properly backed in the transfer market. He didn't get the players that a lot of the fans and people in the media thought he was going to get or deserve, and... He's clearly outperformed with the group of players they have. This is not a group of players that should be challenging for Champions League football week in, week out. They should not be a team that finishes in the top four regularly. But that's what they've done because he's a great man manager. He knows how to get the most out of his players, even if they're not the best on a skill level to some of the other teams in the league. Manchester City have a way better team than Manchester United, and that's the reason why they're so far out in front. We just don't have the quality of players that Manchester City has. And that's why we need to spend big in the transfer market. But going back to my original point, it's been two and a half years. And the expectation was that Solskjaer would have won a trophy by now. You know, one of the little domestic trophies like the FA Cup or the EFL Cup. But he hasn't. And a lot of people, including myself, would say he choked last year. He should have won at least one trophy, but he managed to lose in the semifinals of both competitions with some very questionable lineup choices. But I still believe Solskjaer is the right man for Manchester United because of his ability to get the most out of players who are not as good as what the other teams have. And I believe that if you stay with the manager, because we've been we've cycled through managers since Sir Alex Ferguson left. He was our greatest ever manager. He got us to 20 Premier League titles. That's more than any other club in soccer in English soccer history. And for us to be even in, in contention for a Premier League title this year speaks volumes to the level of the job Solskjaer has done. And I think as long as we I think if we give him the time, to give him the backing, then he will deliver on a trophy and hopefully it comes this season. So that's my message to all Manchester United fans. Stay patient. We're not the same team that we were. We're rebuilding. We're still in a rebuild. And just need to be patient with how the club runs things right now. Mac, you just dropped a lot of nuggets on me in soccer. I got one question for you. It's only been four years. What do y'all, what do y'all expect, man? I thought you were a Kings fan. <laughs> uh, you have uh, to win every year or something? I mean, if you looked at the history books, they were a team that won pretty much every, every at least every other year, winning one trophy at least. So, so four-year gap is unacceptable. To go four years without winning any type of silverware is almost unheard of for Manchester United fans, which is why we're called Glory Hunters. Got you, got you, got you. All right, let's move on to our final topic of the day. And the boxing match that everybody in the world is looking forward to, it is YouTube internet star, I, I put the air quotes around star, Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. Now, this will be Jake Paul's third professional fight after the sad sad event which was him knocking out nate robinson and uh gary are you expecting anything from this fight will this be a good fight or at least a closer fight than what his last two fights have been so mac you know i pitched this uh for our pod this week and you know i was letting you know because i've been watching their press conferences and man oh man that man, Jake Paul, knows how to sell a fight like he knows how to sell his YouTube videos good, man. He is a hilarious guy. So if you're not even a boxing fan and you just want to see some funny, hilarious entertainment stuff, 
tune into this fight because it's about to be a bunch of it. I literally watched both of them individually uh, on their own platforms talk about this fight uh, and press conferences talk about this fight. And man, Jake, in my opinion, is probably going to win, Mac. Probably going to win. And he's probably going to shut up a lot of haters and validate. He thinks he's going to validate himself by finally being a... I would say, I mean, he's a professional fighter. Don't want to disrespect Ben Askren at all. But as I think he would say, he's a more of a wrestler. And, uh, you know, he was a UFC fighter as well. And, you know, he wasn't that. I mean, he had a chance to, you know, have really fight for a contendership maybe in the UFC until he we all got he got knocked out in the quickest knockout ever by Masvidal. Knee in the face was also kind of funny when they asked him about that on a couple podcasts. But that's another different day for another topic. But really, I think uh, it's just funny because I know Dana White was trying to get $1 million against Jake Paul because he does not like him and how disrespectful he has been to his his UFC club and it's gonna be so funny because literally I think he might win because even Ben asking himself Mac thinks that he might lose to Jake Paul he has said this and he really thinks the only way he's gonna he thinks he's gonna win because he thinks Jake Paul is a rookie and he thinks that he's him have being a rookie is why he's gonna beat him but he doesn't know that Jake Paul actually be honest with you has been trying to box for three years Mac so literally, if he comes, he even said if he comes out not as a rookie, he said he might lose. And I think that Jake Paul, watching all his stuff, maybe he's trying to sell it to himself, sell a dream to somebody. But man, he kind of convinced me because the way he been talking, he really wants to take this switching from a YouTube box, YouTube guy, as you say, whatever you want to put quotes around that, and switching to an actual professional boxer, him and his brother. I think it's gonna be exciting. You know, I didn't want him to beat Nate Robinson. I'm a basketball fan, so I was going for Nate. But Nate, man, walked into something that he didn't even know about. Looked like Nate never got hit hit in the face before in his life, so we got shocked in that way. So, man, oh man, I think. It's going to be funny. It's going to be goofy. And, man, I think it's just better for boxing if Jake Paul wins this because it's going to be another pump up for the next fight. So, I mean, I'm going for that, Mac. I'm going for that. I thought I was going to – I wanted Jake Paul to lose at first, but now I kind of want him to win, Mac, so then we can see more goofy, fun fights like this. Is Would it be good for boxing if Jake Paul won, though? I mean, yes, because then he's going to have another guy to fight. You know, they're going to keep lining them guys for him. If Ben Askren, when he's going to go here, he said, I'm going to go on my happy way. I'm probably done. He was already retired before this. He only came back because this was an interesting fight in him. Really, he knows. It's a money fight for him. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Let's keep the entertainment going with this. <laughs> I think that's all it is. It's just pure entertainment. And, you know, having somebody like Jake Paul, it's a very polarizing figure. So, a lot of people are either going to love him or hate him. And he gets the views, man. What more can you say? This isn't the first MMA star he's called out either. He's tried to call out Conor McGregor and Dylan Dennis, but fight hasn't been able to be set up with either of them yet, so it seemed like Askren was the next best choice. I feel like this will be the most challenging of his fights because he's fighting somebody who's actually been a fighter, although wrestling and UFC are pretty different to boxing, so I'm not sure how Askren's going to fare in that. Plus, the fact that you mentioned he's, uh, he's, he's retired already from professional fighting, and he's 36 years old, and if Jake Paul is really, truly serious about being a boxer, then I guess this is what he's got to do, right? Keep talking, all, keep talking all that shit, and eventually he'll get somebody big and prove his chance. But I just watched him fight. He doesn't seem like a great fighter to me, but maybe he will prove me wrong. I can tell you what, they're selling this fight for $50 online, and uh, if I'm paying $50 for a fight, I hope it's not a first-round knockout like the <laughs> Robinson fight was. 
You're right, McEnroe. Yeah, he, Jake Paul did say he wants, you know, McGregor. I think he thinks this might skyrocket him to McGregor. But I think and we all heard up today they announced he's going to be fighting the Trilogy fight versus Destin Poirier. And uh, I think, I really hope, I really hope, hope, hope McGregor really sits down and wins that match. It really turns it on because it looks like if he loses this match, his UFC my career might be over. And he'll just be a name that was big popping but not enough you know, I still want him to see him some final, some seeing him in some title shots and stuff like that. So we'll see what happens there. It's gonna be really, really interesting. Another fight I hope we get to see too is John Jones, Francis Nagano. Got to see that too. Just want to throw that in there. Got to see that. Well, we'll see how all of those fights go if they come to fruition or not. And I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of No Limits. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to go check out all the other podcasts on statehornet.com. And we'll see you back here next week for the next episode of No Limits. Peace.